What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about our values and we've been talking about our values as a church, but also the fact that our values in our everyday life determine where we end up in life. So our wise man once told me that the best way to determine what your values are in life is to take a look at your checkbook and take a look at your daily planner. The things that you're spending your money on and the things you're spending your time doing are your values. So everyone has values, whether we realize it or not. So that's kind of what this series has been discussing. Yet we have four key values that we have here at Next Level Freedom Church that we're going to be discussing for another couple of weeks. But let me go ahead and introduce myself to those tuning online this morning. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri. We want to thank you for tuning online this morning, but also we want to invite you, if you're tuning online and you're capable, to come and join us next time and be a part of what God is doing here in Jackson, Missouri. Those of you here, good morning. How's everybody doing? I know we've had a lot of sickness going around in a lot of people's houses over the last couple of weeks, but you're back. You're here this morning, so God's got you healed and ready to go, right? Some of us have still got a few sniffles, so we're not going to... We're not going to judge you for that, all right? So <laughs> this morning, we've been, let's go ahead and start with our key passage, and then we'll kind of do a summary of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Key passage is in Philemon chapter 1, and it's only a one-chapter book, so it's really kind of small. If you want to find it, go to 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, right there in the middle is Philemon, and then there's Hebrews. So if you get to Hebrews, just go back one book, and you're there. So Philemon chapter 1. And starting in verse 4, it says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning on behalf of those here, those listening online. Lord, we just ask that we just want to thank you for showing up, the Lord, this morning. And we ask those that came expecting this morning will receive exactly what you have for them this morning, God. I ask right now that you would begin to speak your words through me, Lord. Let them not be my own. In Jesus' name, amen. So what we've been talking about are values. How many of y'all knew you had values in your life? We don't realize we actually have them, some of us, until, oh, yeah, I guess I value this or that or, you know, once again, best way to find out, check your checkbook, check where you're spending your time, because those are things you value. Well, here at Next Level Freedom Church, the thing I always have been starting with every week is our mission statement, because that is really where our values come from. And our mission is to effectively lead a generation of believers to a closer relationship with God through discipleship training athletics, entertainment, business, family, and in all walks of life. This will be accomplished by giving people the opportunity to freely worship God through the 
exercising of their gifts, and effectively sharing Jesus Christ with others. And those of you who have pamphlets this morning, that's on the back of your pamphlets. Because that's a lot to remember, right? That's why we have a vision statement. Our vision statement is simply this. You saw it on the video. Reaching others where they're at. In five words, we sum up everything we've got in our mission statement. And what I've done when we started this ministry is I've broken up that mission statement to find out what four key things do we really value as a church. In the first week, we talked about people. People was our first value. Because if you're not helping people, then what are you doing? I mean, really, what are you doing with your life? Are you just throwing it away, just kind of going here and there? It's all about people. People are in need. People need to understand that there is hope out there. That's why Jesus tells us in the Great Commission, Go ye therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. He's telling us to go. So we've got a lot of Christians, I believe, that just kind of sit at home and don't really do anything. But when you're at work, when you're at school, wherever you're at in your life, you spend your days doing on your job, wherever it is, you're showing people what your values are. So my question then becomes, how are you treating people? The second value we have here as a church, we talked about last week, which is family. We believe in family. We believe God created the family first. And when we talk about that, there's two aspects to that. First of all, there's your family that's at home with you all week long. Family is important. That's why we don't give people a hard time when they got stuff going with the family. Because we believe that family time is important. And that family. But also, the side of that is here at the church. For those that do not have families to go home to, our church at Next Level Freedom Church and any church really should be like a family to those people that don't have any hope. So family became our second value. And we talked about that in the first couple of verses on the key scripture. Today we're going to be looking on... Keeping it there in verse 6, the second half, where it says, In deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Today's topic is worship. The third value that we value here at Next Level Freedom Church is worship. And when we say worship, there's a lot of things that come to mind. People look at it and, oh, that's a good song service, right? No, 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 no. Worship is actually something that can happen in your quiet place. In your closet, wherever that is, where you do your Bible study, worship doesn't always involve music. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. So we're going to talk about deepening our understanding of who Christ is. Or the way they worded it here, the first half we talked about last week, which is family, which he said, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective. And we talked about that related to family. We want to give people an effective ministry. Then he continues saying, in deepening your understanding, how do you do that? Well, first to study, right? But we're going to talk about worship this morning. First Samuel is where we're going to be settling in our key passages this morning. First Samuel chapter 1. And we're going to read about a lady. And some of you may recognize the story when we started. Her name was Hannah. And she had been praying to God about having a son. Because she was barren. She couldn't have kids. Sound familiar? There's a lot of people like that in the Bible, right? They couldn't have kids, but God turns around and blesses them. But 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says, There was a certain man. Now, there's a whole lot of pronunciations. I may not get them all right, but we're going to go for it. Are you ready? There was a certain man from Ramathion, a Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jerome, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuph, and Ephraimite. You see what I'm talking about? There's a lot of pronunciations. Don't get caught up in the names. Pay attention to what's going on in the story, all right? He had two wives. 
One was called Hannah. The other was Peninnah. Or Peninnah. I think that's how you say that, all right? So we're going to say Peninnah for the sake of today, all right? Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Verse 3 says, year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, see, I told you I'm bashing them all up, were priests of the Lord. Don't get caught up in the names, get caught up in the story. So here's what happens. First of all, let's go with the first point. Point number one, if you're taking notes out there, is that worship begins in your quiet place. If you're not doing worship at home, don't expect to do it on a Sunday morning. Because worship actually takes place of something that's already been going on in your life. Uh, one of my pastor talked about, I always talked about on Sunday mornings, we're not starting anything new because the angels have been worshiping this whole time. All we're doing is joining with them in worshiping God. So worship is something that begins in your quiet place. What are you doing at home? What is going on at home? When do you take your quiet time? Do you have quiet time is the next question. Do you take time to read your Bible, study it, pray, spend some time with God so that you can have those moments of worship? Let me promise you something if you've never had that moment. Once it happens, you don't go back. Because you understand something happens. Trust me, if you don't put it to the test, try it. Try to worship. When you actually get to that point where you're worshiping God, the atmosphere completely shifts. And once you feel that feeling, there's no going back. There's no other way to fill that void. But check out what John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24 says. It says, yet a time is coming. And this is Jesus when he was talking to the woman at the well. It says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. What kind of worshipers is he seeking? Those that seek him in spirit and truth. Verse 24 says, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So that begins in our quiet time at home. If you're a true worshiper and you understand, now there are some people you can notice it on a Sunday morning right away. They've been going all week. They come and they're ready to worship. And you can see that. And there are others that, you know, they worship a little bit different. They don't get as loud and maybe as crazy. But they still have an aspect of worshiping God. It's not about how you do it. It's a matter of do you do it. So worshiping can be different in different ways. But it's all about having that intimate time with God. When we say intimate, I know that people's minds go to crazy places because this world can take and twist some things. But when we say the word intimate, we're talking about making it personal. It's you. It's God. And let me just tell you, if you've ever had that moment of worship, those that had it, you can feel it in your spirit. You just start crying for no reason. You don't know why you're crying. You just start crying. We're going to talk more about some stuff with that next week. Let's go ahead and continue our reading, though. The names are mostly gone now, so let's keep up with the story. First Samuel, continuing there in verse 4, where we left off, says, Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Peninnah, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah... He gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Once again, she was barren. Verse 6 says, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Anybody know anybody like that? You don't necessarily have to be the other wife, like this guy be talking here about giving you heck. Anybody know someone that can just irritate you and get under your skin? You just want to punch them, but you know what you got to do. You got to love them, right? All right, moving on. All right, moving on, it says, her rival kept provoking her in order 
to irritate her. So she was aggravating her. Verse 7 says, this went on year after year. And she did nothing about it, right? That's what we think, right? <laughs> I can see some of these biases going places. Y'all be good. This is church, all right? Anyway, so they went up year after year. And whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and she would not eat. And y'all ever had those moments? Maybe it was a day at school. Something happened. Maybe it was a day at work. You got home and all you just wanted to do was cry. That's okay. It's natural. I see everybody's smiling. You all have had those days, right? Everybody's had those moments in their life. Even I've had those moments in my life where you just don't know what else to do. You don't feel like eating. You're just weeping uncontrollably. Now, men, we, we tend to hide that, right? We try to keep it. <clears throat> but you know at home you've cried before. Don't give me that look. Whatever. You've cried. Men are a bunch of babies. Ladies, do you relate to that? What happens when a lady's sick? My wife is one of the toughest women I've ever met. She can be sick. She's going to work. Comes home, does it in routine. The men get sick. What happens? You know, ladies are smiling. If you're married, you know exactly. Or have been married, you know exactly what we're talking about. Men are a bunch of babies when it comes to being sick, right? And see, I'm a man, so I can say that. We get sick and it's like it's the end of the world. Oh my gosh, I feel so terrible, honey. Y'all see that. Y'all are thinking, he's smiling. That's all good. All right, let's keep reading. I kind of got off track. Let's get back on track. Verse 8 says, her husband, Elkna, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Remember, she has not been able to have a kid. And the other one's been giving her so much heck about it that she's crying. And Elkna knows. He's like, but wait, I still love you. He gave her double portions, right? Number two, point number two, if you're taking notes, is that worship isn't based on circumstances. Whatever's going on around you, whether it's be good or bad, you should still be able to worship. It doesn't have to do with it. The circumstances shouldn't ask you to worship. You should be worshiping God when things are all good and when things maybe are down. It doesn't just happen. When, but see, what tends to happen with us as humans is it's when we get down or stuff starts going wrong. That's when we want to turn to God and say, God, help me. God says, well, if you listen to me a year ago or a month ago, however, you know, whatever the case may be, then you may not have went this far. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Oxymoron, right? Living sacrifice. All right. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. So it's not based on circumstances. It's based on your state of mind. Where do you see things that are going on around you? Are you always seeing the bad and the negative about things? Or are you one of those people? How many of y'all know those people? And sometimes, you know, we, they tend to get on your nerves. But they can always find the positive in everything. Right? They come, they're happy. Seems like every day they're you know ready to go, they're excited. They have their moments, trust me. Yeah. But but you you may not be in the mood to hear that that day. Sometimes it gets on your nerves. But how do y'all know that we need that type of attitude if we're gonna make it through this life? We need to be able to find the positive in what's going on. And maybe you can't find any physical positives in your situation, but you need to be able to look back to what God has shown you previously because you've been having that worship time, right? And be able to have your state of mind set on what God's will is for your life, 
not ours, right? What did it say in the last part? Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Moving on, verse 9 in 1 Samuel chapter 1, it says, Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will look only, or if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. Verse 12 says, And she kept on praying to the Lord, and Eli observed her mouth. Eli couldn't tell what she was saying, but he could tell that something was up. We're going to talk about what he thought here in a minute. But check out our third point. Let me go ahead and say that. We're going to look at some stuff in Psalm. It says, Worship is persistent. What happened? Year after year when they would come, and you know she's been praying this at home. God, send me a son. God, see me in my downtime, in my despair, in my anguish. God, see me. God, help me. She kept praying, and even though it had been years now, but she was persistent, right? So if you persistently are seeking and worshiping after God, then that's when things start to happen. We're going to talk about that. Psalm 95, verses 6 and 7 says, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture. The flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. If only we would hear his voice. In many of those situations in life. See, there's too many distractions a lot of times. Stuff going on outside. And that's what the enemy will do to you. He will distract you. He will get you focused on other things. So that you will lose your focus. Can I encourage you? If you're a believer out there. Now, I can't expect an unbeliever to act like a believer. But if you're a believer out there. Then let me encourage you, when those distractions come, keep your focus set on your eyes to where God has you headed. Because if you don't, you're going to find yourself in a mess. You've got to focus on God, even when things look so bad. Let me show you a verse. Psalm 46.10. This is the first verse. My mom, when my mom died, the day she died in the hospital, God, this verse came to my mind. Because I had no way of explaining that. She was a youth minister. She was a good woman. Why? Why would this cancer take her? She died of a brain tumor. I couldn't explain it. But I didn't know one thing. God was still in control. But check out what God gave me. Psalm 46.10. He said, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That's all I had to go on. Sometimes in life, and you all had situations similar, we can't explain the bad. We can't understand why, God. Why? In the event like mine, there were good people. What happened? Why? We can't always explain that. But God still says, be still and know that I am God. And what did he say at the end? No matter what, here's what he ended with. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. So when things do come along that you just can't explain, let me encourage you to look back at Psalm 46.10 and know no matter what's going on in your life, he's still God. He's still in control. Let's move on. 1 Samuel 
Chapter 1, verse 13, where we left off, it says, Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. And Eli, doesn't this sound like a typical religious person? Check it out. Eli thought she was drunk. And he said to her, how long are you going to stay there drunk? Put away your wine. What did she say? She said, not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is, in deep, who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Then Eli probably felt a little silly. And here's how he answered. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and she ate something. Her face was no longer downcast. Does this remind you of any religious people that we have? This is why churches can't seem to show the love of Christ. Because there's always going to be that person who's religious about things. And then they are assuming and they're beginning to judge people for what's going on in their life. Can I encourage you Christians this morning? We're not to judge them. We are to be a witness or a testimony to them on behalf of what God has done in our life. Because what would have happened? Eli spoke right up. He said, why are you drunk? And what she said, sometimes people are in so much pain. And a lot of religious people want to look at them. Well, look at them. How in the world could not know? They got themselves in a mess. Can you see that? What blah, blah, blah. They point their finger at you. But what they don't understand is you have been seeking God. You have been trying to seek that comfort. You have nowhere else to go. Can I encourage Next Level Freedom Church family? We're not to be the ones that do that. If people come in and they look upset, offer to pray with them. Offer to see if you can do anything for them. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. See if you can see what you can do because you never know what the whole situation is. All you see is that current situation. And maybe they've been missing church or maybe they've been doing these other things. And you see them out there and they're trying to get to God. But because you look down on them so much, they're turning their backs. You know what? I've heard a lot of wise ministers tell me that people want to see Jesus. But what they don't like is the way Christians perceive Jesus to everyone else. How they relate to Jesus. Jesus, everybody flocked to Jesus. Jesus always had multitudes following him wherever he went. Why? Because Jesus cares about people. And if you're a believer out there, then you need to care about people in the same way. People want Jesus. What they don't want is what the church has made him out to be. They want the real Jesus, the one that can help them, make a difference in their life, give them some sort of direction or hope. That's our job, to relate to them the real Jesus. All right? Don't get caught up in all the stuff, the religious garbage. But here's what I want to say. Point number four. I kind of didn't tell the point before I read it on. But it says, worship is about pouring out your soul to God. That's what happened to Hannah. She said, I've just been pouring out my soul to God. She had nowhere else to turn. She didn't know where else to look. She was crying. Remember I said in your worship time, you may be crying and you have no idea why you're crying. The first time... Well, we'll talk about it next week. I don't want to go off the subject, but because next week we're going to wrap up with our fourth and final point. But uh, let's go ahead and read what 2 Samuel chapter 6 has. Now, check this out. I want you to notice something in scriptures, especially if you're a believer out there. Maybe you've done this to people where you judge them. But check out what 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 14 and 16 had to say. It says, wearing a linen, or linen ephod, 
Jesus or David was dancing before the Lord. Was it saying with all his might? While he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. And as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from her window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. But what does the Bible tell us about King David? He was a man after God's own heart. Now, did you realize how many times David screwed up in the Bible? He messed up a lot. Why did he have the favor of God on his life? Because he knew how to worship. Whatever the situation. In this particular case, the Ark of the Covenant was coming back to Israel. It had been captured and they were bringing it back into the city. And David's dancing. He's worshiping. And I'm blessing that he probably wasn't maybe the dress of the decentness, but he's up there jumping and going. And somebody immediately, what happened? The lady, Michal, was looking at him and she despised him, right? how religious garbage will get you. Let me tell you, if you really have a moment with God, then dancing and leaping is nothing compared to what can happen, alright? Because God, when you're worshiping God, more than likely He's delivered you from something, something's happened. Any of you, anybody here should probably be able to give up and give you a testimony of something that God has done for their life. Believer or not, even unbelievers see God move in their life. Because God's trying to get their attention. Let's move, let's move on and we'll start to wrap this thing up. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. It says, Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named him, what's his name? Samuel. What's the name of the book we're reading? Samuel. Because she was persistent, didn't even realize it. But Samuel became a high prophet in Israel. He was one of those, he anointed David, he anointed Saul. Everybody knew who Samuel was. And it was because she persistently seeked God. Maybe she didn't see the deliverance that God had for her life. But because of that, she got results. That's the fifth point. <clears throat> well, actually, let's read the last part. It says, she named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Point number five and final point is true worship gets results. If you're truly seeking God, why did David constantly get delivered? when He, he did things like eat the showbread. That's just for the priest. Anybody else would have done that? They'd have been dead. They'd have dropped dead right there because God didn't put up with it. But because David, God looked down and said, that's my boy. And he's down there eating the showbread. Why? Because he had favor with God because he knew how to worship God, so worship, true worship, gets results. Check out what Psalm 37, 1 to 9 says, and then we're going to wrap this up. It says, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Verse 3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, there's a verse that we always see taken out of context, all right? If I just do it, God will give me the desires of my heart. What did it say? It said trust in the Lord first, right? Trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land, and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you desires of your heart. So there's something we have to do first. Now, what you notice is as you have those worship times and those times with God is that your desires begin to change. You no longer want the physical things that you once desired. 
things begin to change, you start seeking the right things. That's when God gives you the desires of your heart. Verse 5 says also, see here goes with it. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn and your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways. That's something that tends to happen a lot. How many of y'all ever caught yourself looking around at the wicked and they seem to be getting richer? You're like, God, we're your people. What's up? Remember whose kingdom you're a part of right now. That's what I want to encourage you with on that. But let's keep reading. It says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways and when they carry out their wicked schemes. Verse 8 says, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Linda, you can come play. We're getting ready to wrap this thing up. Today we talked a little bit about worship. And true worship, like we just said on our last point, is what's going to get the results in your life. I ask you a question. You say, God, I've been praying to God, and God has not done what I've asked him to do. My first question is, how often do you spend time with God? Because if you've got that personal relationship, he hears what's going on. The second one is, maybe you just haven't waited long enough. Or the third one, what is really your desire here? Is it for something physical or something that's going to pass away? Or is there actually a meaning behind what you're desiring that God will bless you for? But worship is where it's all at. This morning, I want to go ahead and give the opportunity for those of you that may be out watching me in line or those that are here. Maybe you have never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That's where all of this starts. The Bible talks about repenting, which means totally turn directions. You may be going this way, but you want to turn and go this way because you want to follow God's path. Because this path, let me tell you, it may seem fun at first, but it only leads to destruction. But if you'll follow God's path, you're going to prosper in your way. We talked about prosperity last month. I'm not going there again. But if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that's the first step on your journey. You have to have a relationship. That's how we get to heaven. You say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death, that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart, be Lord of my life, Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. There's that turning part we talked about. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. Now, I said this last week, I believe it was. I've not known how many times I said it, but this is a saying I've had since I started ministry. Salvation is not a prayer. It's a lifestyle. How you live, when you leave here today, or you leave wherever you're at today, determines whether you got saved or not. If you truly are saved and born again, you're going to live like it. But that's where it starts. If you just said, said that prayer and you accepted Christ, let me say congratulations. Welcome to the family. Your next step is baptism. I haven't said that in a while, but if you accepted Christ, your next step is baptism. You need to be baptized. That's what Jesus tells us. It's an outer resemblance of what went on in your heart. And after that, you need to become a part of the fellowship. But if you're tuning online today, I want to thank you for tuning online. I hope you'll tune in next week. We're going to wrap up this series talking about our final value, which is empowerment. And we'll talk more about that next week. So I hope to see you then. God bless.